Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. Welcome Thaddeus Owen to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I would like to introduce our audience to you by sharing your bio and background. Thaddeus is a holistic health expert with a passion for researching, testing, reviewing, and providing actionable advice to others in the field of health, longevity, and cognitive enhancement. Thaddeus believes that our indoor existence exposes us to more toxins, processed foods, and processed light than ever before. He believes we should all spend more time and money optimizing our environment for the most important operating system, our body and mind. Bringing together ancient techniques with appropriate technology, we can overcome our modern lifestyle. Thaddeus is an expert researcher and speaker on topics related to lifestyle medicine, such as sleep, circadian rhythm, and light. Thaddeus is a chemical engineer and co-founder of an online platform designed to help others transform their health. He also works full-time as a sustainability manager at Herman Miller. He spent 10 years developing pharmaceutical products and then changed directions to delve deep into environmental sustainability, nutrition, wellness, and holistic nutrition. Welcome, Thaddeus, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. I know you are an experienced speaker and podcast guest, so your time is appreciated. You are the Point Resident Biohacker, sunlight and vitamin D expert, EMF professor, and cold plunge guru. And most recently, I've observed you moving from biohacking the body and mind to biohacking your spirit. Thaddeus and his wife, Heidi, who is actually to my left, are the leaders of an upcoming Boundary Waters trip in June of 2021 for the Point Retreats. It's been quite the year for everyone, and as we have watched the world divide, I believe one of the most important conversations we had this year was around where we aligned and where we held different views. But at the end of this communication, I trusted Thaddeus enough to say, I think our friendship and partnership could serve as an example in profound ways. We hold many similar points of view and some very different ones, but we continue to learn from one another, respect one another, and support one another. And maybe this is what the world needs to see and know more than anything else right now. So with that, Thaddeus, I welcome you to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. Awesome. It's great to be here. So Thaddeus, I had to change kind of our usual platform a little bit uh, and flow of questions for you because your background is a little different, uh, which makes this a really exciting interview for me because I know I will walk away learning something, if not many things from you yet again. But to start out, can you just tell our audience a little bit about your story of how you went from being a chemical engineer to this uh, renowned biohacker? Yeah, absolutely. So as most stories begin, I was trying to solve my own issue. So I had major, almost debilitating anxiety, mm-hmm. public anxiety, social anxiety, you name it. Mm-hmm. I could not give a presentation in front of people. I could not talk one-on-one with people. And it was ruining my career. It was mm-hmm. very challenging for me as a human to live with because I was just constantly nervous and scared of interactions. Yeah. So two ways that I came to get into the biohacking space and then begin teaching others is wondering how to solve my own anxiety issue Mm -hmm. and 
delving deep. So I went the traditional pharmaceutical medical doctor route and Mm -hmm. asked for Lexapro and said, you know, I've gotten to the point where it's been 10 years and I can't take it anymore. Sign me up. And within a year and a half, I had weaned myself off of that and completely cured my own social anxiety, generalized Mm -hmm. anxiety. And I did that by finding this niche called biohacking Mm -hmm. and learning how to do the inner emotional work that I needed to do, Mm -hmm. as well as finding these natural, the way the body can basically naturally support itself Mm -hmm. uh, in healing Mm -hmm. was huge. And then in the pharmaceutical industry, which is where I started out my career for a decade, Mm -hmm. you know, I was standing at the top of a 10,000 gallon tank of children's pharmaceutical product. And I was pouring in a 55 gallon drum that -hmm. had skull and crossbones on it that said carcinogen on it. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, how can I possibly be making these products where I'm putting known carcinogens into a children's product that's supposed to make them better. Mm. And I just, I couldn't do that anymore. Sure. So between solving my own anxiety and finding these kind of inner resources as well as natural resources mm-hmm. and getting to the point where I just needed to change a career to feel better about what I was putting out into the world is what propelled me into this space where I spent years learning these alternative concepts, experimenting on myself, and then finally teaching others. Hmm. That's fantastic. And for those of you that know Thaddeus, maybe say for the last five years, you would never guess that you had this anxiety that you did because you're such a strong presenter now, but I know you've shared your journey a few times with me and, and it wasn't always that way for you, which I think actually a lot of people need to hear that you had that and through you know various integrative and holistic and biohacking therapies, you were able to get to where people see you now. Okay, so for those who are listening and going, what in the world does this biohacking term mean? Can you give a little background on biohacking? Biohacking is a term that was invented by a specific person whose name is Dave Asprey. So if you've ever heard of biohacking, most people know the Bulletproof Company, traditionally through what's called Bulletproof Coffee, which is like a fat-based coffee. Mm -hmm. And Dave Asprey in 2011 coined the term biohacking but it was really a movement that many people had been involved in prior to that Mm -hmm. and that were involved in when he coined it. And really what it means is taking control of our own biology Mm -hmm. and making it optimal. So instead of being average, average doesn't always mean that you are at the optimum that you can be. Mm -hmm. It's how do we modify the environment outside of us Mm -hmm. our spaces that we reside in most of the time and the environment inside our body to be optimally healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's really what biohacking does using the latest science Mm -hmm. and experimenting on ourselves. So most biohackers are self-experimenters where we are ahead of what gets out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. We try to see if if these new technologies and these new studies are effective on the human biology and whether it actually has benefits for us, Mm -hmm. whether it's a mental benefit, a physical benefit, uh, or some sort of, you know, overall longevity benefit. That's typically what biohackers are interested in and exploring. Okay. That was a great explanation. Thank you. Can you tell me one biohack that you've decided to ditch and you'll never pick up again? Was there something you tried that was like, that did not work? Uh, <laughs> there is one, uh, that I did and I will not do it again. And I am a little embarrassed to describe it, but yeah. there was a product. So as a, as a early biohacker in the space, I've been mm-hmm. around a while mm-hmm. and people call me an influencer online. So they send me products to try. And mm-hmm. one of the products that was sent to me was, it was basically a, an athletic cup, but it was like frozen. So you take this athletic cup and you freeze it and then you apply it to yourself in the traditional spot where an athletic cup would go. Like your genitals. You're basically freezing, you're freezing your balls um, (laughs) with the product. Um, And so they're like, yeah, just do this every night before you go to bed. (laughs) So I did that for like a week and I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't, I can't see that there's any benefit to this. And so I completely ditched that product and I don't see any reason why anybody would want to do that. 
Unless you've had a vasectomy, I can't really yeah. figure out why you want to do that either. But the theory was if you get cold, so this cold thermogenesis or cold yeah. therapy, if you get cold, it, incre- it can increase or has been shown in studies to increase testosterone, to increase sleep, to reduce inflammation, uh-huh. increase telomere length. And this individual who created the product thought, well, maybe if we just make people's balls cold, it'll yeah. do the same thing. Okay. <laughs> no I research can... out there. <laughs> but that's a part of what biohacking is, right? It's like taking a theory. Theory, and then you're testing it. Yeah, so. I I did not notice any benefit from mm-hmm. that. Many men are probably like, thank God that doesn't work because I really don't want to have to do that. <laughs> so what's a current biohack that you're experimenting with? Oh, so the the number one that I'm attempting to experiment with in the next couple weeks, a lot of them have to do with products. So a uh-huh. lot of the biohacks don't have to be product-based. Okay. So they can be completely natural. They can be free. Um, but for example, there are two products that were sent to me recently. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a cognitive enhancing product. So they call mm-hmm. them nootropics. Mm-hmm. Some people call them smart drugs, but smart drugs are really defined as pharmaceutical products to enhance cognitive function. Okay. Nootropics are non-prescription products that enhance brain function in some way. Mm-hmm. So right now, Heidi and I, my partner, are experimenting with a brand new nootropic, Mm -hmm. which for some reason the company branded themselves with the name of a psychedelic toad. Mm. Um, So the company's name is Bufo, and Bufo is toad medicine. Mm. But these products are non-psychedelic, and they're completely natural. So there's no synthetic ingredients, but they're just things like natural nootropic ingredients and adaptogenic herbs that people have been using forever. Yeah. So they stack them in a very specific way to give you enhanced energy and cognitive function. Okay. So I'm experimenting with those over the next week. Week. And I know you've tried a lot of different nootropics in the past. So is it the stacking of of this particular one that's different? Yeah. So this particular one is supposed to be individualized. You go online and you take a test and based mm-hmm. on your test results, they personalize the, the stack of cognitive enhancers for your personality. Okay. Um, and so the combination of the ingredients and the type of ingredients are supposed to enhance my cognitive function. And after the last three days, I -hmm. notice a slight boost in mood and a slight Mm -hmm. increase in focus, Um, but it's very, very subtle. Hmm. Interesting. I'll be curious to see how you feel in a week. Yes. Uh, We'll we'll let everybody know on our Instagram usually. And then the second one, Mm -hmm. so I discussed too, there's a brand new to the world product, brand new technology that's never existed. It uses a magnetic field and not an electromagnetic field, which is very unique, Mm -hmm. that it only uses a magnetic field, but supposedly it creates a very, very low frequency magnetic field that will entrain the nervous system in your body into a parasympathetic state and or put your body into a deep sleep state Hmm. while you're sleeping. Okay, That's a huge claim. And that product I was supposed to have two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's apparently a global chip shortage in the world Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting another week or so before we get that. And that's going to be kind of the number one thing that I'm going to be interested in experimenting with, trying out, and publicizing. Okay. Because sleep has been something that you've been really passionate about trying to solve, which I will tell you for anyone who's listening, I've probably learned the most about sleep and have improved my sleep the most after starting to follow you in particular or being a night owl who tends to work late with technology in front of me using the primal hacker blue blocker glasses has made a tremendous difference as a matter of fact anyone who goes on vacation with me or I was staying with my sister for a while she's like you wear those every night I'm like I wear them every night religiously because they make that much of a difference. So I know sleep has been kind of a quest of yours. So this is kind of the next step for you. But what are some of the like basic initial sleep biohacks that you started with? Yeah. And I, I got turned on to sleep because of my anxiety. I just had a racing mind at night and could not sleep. So I had very poor sleep. And what I came to found is, you know, getting a proper night's sleep is correlated with, you know, all these health benefits. And if you're not getting a proper night's sleep, the correlations in the studies, thousands of studies, show that it's correlated with heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, mm-hmm. all these things from just not getting a good night's sleep. Yeah. So I found that the the number one things that really affected my sleep were the blue light blocking glasses, number mm-hmm. one. And so I gave a, a TEDx talk on mm-hmm. you know, light hacking and the blue light blocking glasses because of the massive benefit that I received. Yep. But also the, the one thing that was not obvious but is proven in 
study after study is that getting morning sunlight Mm -hmm. allows you to get better sleep that night. And that was really eye-opening for me. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I don't think that's common knowledge. I've heard it because I've had the fortune of hearing you speak at different events or listen to different podcasts. But can you tell the audience and, and myself a little bit more about that? Well, one of the things that we need to all know more about is that light massively affects both our biology and our physiology. Mm -hmm. And that's not well known. However, in 2017, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was given for circadian rhythm, which is basically the the clock, the central clock mechanism in the human body Mm -hmm. that is set by the light and dark cycles of the sun. Mm -hmm. So the sun sets our circadian rhythm and circadian rhythm has everything to do with our health. And it's all based on the light that comes in through our eye. Mm -hmm. So what we have studied very recently, I think 2019, there was a study showing. Now, there's been a number of studies throughout the years, but the 2019 study definitively showed how light affects our biology Mm -hmm. and our sleep. So they exposed mice to 24 hours a day of light, Mm -hmm. and a control group of mice got 12 hours a day of light and 12 hours a day of darkness. The mice that were exposed to 12 hours a day of light and 12 darkness had the exact same calories and the exact same exercise as the group that got nonstop light. Mm -hmm. So same calories in and calories out. The mice that received light all day long Mm -hmm. were obese at the end of the study. Hmm. The control group was not. And you can't say it was due to more calories or more exercise. Mm -hmm. It was just due to the light. So with those two things in mind, Nobel Prize in Medicine for basically biology of light and this mouse study, what we're finding is that the circadian rhythm in your body is supposed to be set to the area that you live in, whatever the region, the latitude, the place in the world you live, if you are set to that circadian rhythm based Mm -hmm. on the sunlight coming into your body, telling your body what time of year it is and what time of day it is, Mm -hmm. you will be healthier than if you don't. And you you tell your body what time of day and what time of year it is by being outdoors Mm -hmm. and allowing your eyes to be exposed to natural sunlight. That doesn't mean stare at the sun. It just means be outside Mm -hmm. and allow the sunlight to come into your eyes just by being outdoors. You know, last summer when the world kind of shut down, spring and summer, and there was so little that we could do, uh, I started, like everybody did, to feel it really quickly, um, both, you know, physically and emotionally. And one of the few things I was like, okay, you know what I can do? I can go outside with my feet on the ground and I can absorb sunshine. And the days I did it versus the days I did not were profoundly different um, all around. And secondary to that, as a recently turned 47-year-old woman, I, in this age, we are experiencing a lot of hormonal changes. And I will say weight fluctuates based on my sleep. It's insane. And never have I been able to have like as direct of a correlation between it as now. And I think, um, because my threshold for lack of sleep is decreasing without feeling it physiologically, it's making me pay attention to it once again, even more. So, and for what it's worth as a nurse, I, when I worked bedside, people who didn't sleep, whether it was sleep apnea or some other sleep disruption, they looked usually a decade older than they otherwise would have. I mean, sleep just takes years off your life. Exactly. And, so. I, and I think there's two points I want to come back to. Um, one is like, try it for two weeks. Don't just try it once yeah. because it takes your body time to sink to yeah. the to the sun's rhythm yeah. by being outdoors. And the other thing I wanted to pick out that you mentioned is being on the ground barefoot. Yeah. So we didn't really cover that in detail, but essentially that's called earthing or grounding. Mm-hmm. And we all know that electronics have to be grounded or they go haywire. And we know uh, being a chemical engineer, I worked in microlithography plants, photolithography mm-hmm. plants, where we make computer chips Mm -hmm. and you have to be grounded to make those computer chips or they get destroyed. The human body is the same thing. It picks up charge when it's insulated from the ground and it holds that charge as inflammation. When we take off our shoes and connect to the earth, which is the largest source of negative energy, negative ions or electrons, we both dump the positive charge, which is dumping inflammation, and we absorb electrons. Mm -hmm. And if we think about like the mitochondria, the energy centers of the body, they produce energy through the electron transport chain. So any Mm -hmm. free electrons we can pick up, like those from the ground, gives us free energy to do work in the body that our body needs. Which is so cool, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty amazing, right? Just if we can stay connected to the earth, the power that that can have and the impact that that can have. 
Absolutely. Okay, so we're talking about sleep. That means we need to probably talk about melatonin. And same with light. I mean, light and sleep are all intertwined with melatonin. So what can you tell people, uh, some of the basics about when you're lacking sleep and you're lacking sunlight, what that does to your melatonin and why that's so relevant? So there's really two pieces to the melatonin story. Um, Obviously, if you have lower melatonin, we know from lots of studies that you're more susceptible to certain diseases, um, that melatonin is is the body's master antioxidant, master anti-cancer compound potentially in the body, and it is called the hormone of darkness because it is released after the body sees no light uh, or at least no blue light, which is what we have receptors for, for a certain period of time at night then it becomes released. But your body is not going to produce and release the melatonin if it doesn't have it in the first place. So the first part of the story is you have to build melatonin in the body. And it's not a supplement necessarily that's going to build melatonin to begin with. It is built from amino acids that our body takes in. So we take in something like tryptophan or other amino acids, and they are converted then to things like serotonin, Mm -hmm. which our body obviously likes to have some of that around. And then the serotonin is converted to melatonin. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that that process of telling the body how much serotonin to turn into melatonin, when Mm -hmm. to store it and release it, is all set by the light. Hmm. So when we see the morning sunlight, we're telling our body that it is daytime, mm-hmm. that we shut off the melatonin production. We don't want to be sleepy during the day. Right. And that we take in these signals to the tryptophan and the serotonin, telling them when during the day they need to become melatonin and mm-hmm. then be released. So the, the pictures are programming the tryptophan and serotonin through the eye with light mm-hmm. to become melatonin later and then triggering the melatonin to be released by avoiding light after sunset. And we can either avoid all light after sunset, which humans would have done since time immemorial Mm -hmm. until we invented the electric light bulb. Now you can just put on a pair of blue light blocking glasses if you keep the lights on or you're on a device because melatonin in the body is turned off when the body experiences blue light. We have receptors in our eye for blue light. Mm -hmm. They're called melanopsin. So when the melanopsin receptors are triggered by blue light after sunset, it tells Mm -hmm. the body that it's daytime. It produces cortisol in the body Mm -hmm. and drops the melatonin. Which is what most of us are doing all night long, right? I mean, correct? That's kind of our modern society, what we do. People are watching television. They open the refrigerator. There's a light on there. We turn lights on in the home so we can see because we don't want to trip on our furniture. So that's modern lifestyle. So a lot of what I teach is like, how do we overcome this modern lifestyle and maintain optimal health? Right, right. And melatonin is linked to things like insulin and glucose and um, cortisol. And I don't think people always think about that it's kind of a you know, a quarterback a little bit and all of those hormones and regulation, regulating those hormones. So we know melatonin starts to decrease with age. At what age does that usually start to happen on average? That's a really good question. I don't know the exact age that it it reduces, but typically we see people over 40 getting less deep sleep. And when, when we hit about 60 to 65 years old, we see almost no deep sleep in most individuals that are participating in some of these sleep studies. Hmm. So I would guess, now this is an opinion, that Mm -hmm. after age 40, we begin producing less melatonin. And, you know, you brought up the point uh, of using melatonin to treat viruses. And and for those that don't know, that's been a hot topic around COVID is taking really high doses of melatonin. And they're showing great, it's showing great promise for those people that are taking high doses. Along with that is high doses of vitamin C and, of course, having adequate, if not you know, above adequate levels of vitamin D. And so can you talk a little bit about the trifecta of those three and maybe how our issue around uh, having you know, poor production or poor regulation around those three um, primarily are leading to some of the you know, probably issues that we're having around viruses, COVID and others? Yeah, actually all cause mortality. So if we look up, I believe there's been four to five studies of all cause mortality and sunlight exposure. Yeah. And what we find in every one of those studies is that more sunlight exposure has less mortality from all causes. All diseases known to man are are reduced when we get more sunlight Hmm. in every case. Now, if you look at the modern human, 95 plus percent of our time is spent indoors. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that 5% that we spend outdoors, some of it is counted as driving in your car, which I would argue is not being outdoors if you have your windows up. Right. So if we're spending more time indoors, 
And when we're outdoors, we're wearing sunglasses and sunscreen. Mm -hmm. That means we're not able to manufacture hormone D or vitamin D in our body naturally from the sunlight, which Mm -hmm. means if we want vitamin D, extra vitamin D, we now have to take it as an oral supplement. Mm -hmm. And again, I go back to the body is designed to make vitamin D from the sun in the skin from sulfonated cholesterol, not orally. Um, So it's not absorbed well. It's not absorbed well. And it can actually be dangerous if, because you can overdose, you can, you can overdose on, you know, four to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D supplementation orally, but from the sun, you can manufacture 60 to 75,000 IUs in your body in one sun session. Wow. And And how long is a sun session? So that it depends on your skin type. Okay. And it depends on if you have a solar callus or not, which just means how much you've been out in the sun already. Yeah. So if you already have a tan, you're going to absorb slower. Okay. And make vitamin D slower. But uh, typically it would be for most people, you know, with lighter skin, as little as 15 minutes, Hmm. you can manufacture tens of thousands of of international units of vitamin D right in Hmm. your skin. So the trifecta of, you know, we know that all-cause mortality is higher without sunlight, and likely that's due to the vitamin D. Now, there's some Mm -hmm. other factors of sunlight, like it increases nitric oxide, which can lower blood pressure and other things. But in general, higher vitamin D is always related to longer life and less sickness, along with a few other factors. And you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, vitamin C and melatonin. Mm -hmm. So two of those are hormones, Mm -hmm. the vitamin D and the melatonin. And then vitamin C, of course, we are one of the only animals on earth that doesn't manufacture vitamin C in our body. Hmm. So we must get vitamin C from the outside world in some way. And if you're not conscious of that, then you likely have low vitamin C. Remember vitamin C, unlike melatonin and um, vitamin D, vitamin C is water soluble. Mm -hmm. We store the vitamin D we make all summer long in our fat so that Mm -hmm. when we burn fat in the winter, we release that vitamin D into the bloodstream to be used. Mm -hmm. Vitamin C, we can only utilize what's on hand at that moment. Okay. So we have to continually take vitamin C in order to ensure that we have enough of it. Right. And of course, as people... um, come down with you know, a viral infection or other things, what we've shown is that increasing that vitamin C sometimes very significantly can be extremely beneficial. And that's because we don't manufacture our own and it's utilized in so many of these processes that denature these toxins in our body. And for most Americans, I mean, we rely on vitamin C, say like a really tall glass of orange juice because it's fortified with vitamin C and vitamin D, which most of us also know that's also loaded with sugar, so may not be the best route of getting vitamin C. So what would you recommend, like in terms of food or more natural, lower glycemic index ways to get vitamin C? Yeah, honestly, you know, supplementation with vitamin C. So I I tend to tell people not to supplement with vitamin D um, Mm -hmm. to make it naturally, but vitamin C is one of those that I personally supplement with, especially in the winter, quite a lot. Okay. So obviously fresh fruits and vegetables, um, and even... Potatoes, unfortunately, raw potatoes have high vitamin C, but not cooked potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Most people aren't going to eat them raw. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately for them, um, they're not going to get the vitamin C from the potato. But uh, raw fruits and vegetables have very high levels of vitamin C, mm-hmm. and they're in a natural form that's easy to digest and is bioavailable. So always go there first. But again, when you make a juice, you're separating off the fiber and then increasing the sugar content, typically mm-hmm. of what you would normally be able to get. So. I do use like an ascorbic acid. Mm. Ascorbic acid is otherwise known as vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a white powder. You can take it as a capsule, a pill. I buy it in a bulk powder and I okay. mix it up in water so yeah. that I can get grams of it at a time when I supplement with it. Okay. Now it's okay. an acid. So it right. can... It can it stomach you know, upset. Um, some people get stomach upset. They're there is a point where if you take too much, you'll be running to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then if you're drinking it in water, it's very acidic on your teeth. Mm. So I always recommend like swishing with baking soda or mm-hmm. at least some water after you drink uh, vitamin C if you're doing it in the powder form. But what happens then when you go, we were on vacation last week, and then we go and we've kind of been indoors for a couple of months primarily. And then we have this week where we're like, we go crazy because we're so happy to be outdoors and in the sun. What does that do to your vitamin D? So... Um, one, if you're in a northern climate and you want more vitamin D, like one thing you can do, well, there's two things you can do. One is um, you can supplement with light, so yeah. like a tanning bed that has UVB bulbs that make vitamin D. So I recommend people going to get sun like in Florida or a tropical retreat after you've been away from it for so long. Okay. Do a little bit of pre-tanning okay. to 
tell your body that it's getting ready to absorb more ultraviolet light. Yeah. That reduces burning, but it also allows you to absorb more vitamin D. Sure. So what normally happens is people go right out into the sun after being inside for most of the winter Mm -hmm. and they get burned. That's not ideal. So mm-hmm. what you can do is when you do go to those locations, if you haven't done pre-tanning, if you're you know pretty white from being indoors, mm-hmm. you get morning sun. Okay. So the infrared and red light of morning sun, dawntime sun or sunrise sun has no ultraviolet light in it. Yeah. And some studies are showing that when we absorb infrared and red light, it allows us to absorb additional ultraviolet light during the strong hours of the sun okay. and not be burned. Therefore, you're absorbing more vitamin D from the sun mm-hmm. because you can be out in the sun longer without burning. And then you will take that home with you when you come back to the northern climate and you're going to have a higher vitamin D level. So I always tell people get as much morning sun mm-hmm. or sunset sun as you can when you're in those environments, okay. especially when you haven't had sun for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then slowly increase the amount of sun you get during the day. So if you're on the beach the first day, mm-hmm. you know maybe 15 to 30 minutes and then maybe 45 minutes the next day and an hour the next day, slowly ramp it up. And it's going to be a lot better for you. Okay. So I usually ask people on this podcast if they're a healthcare rebel, which I was thinking about our talk today. And I think you might be one of the biggest rebels I will have on the podcast, depending on your definition of rebel. So clearly you just gave kind of a taste of how you would treat low vitamin D, low melatonin and vitamin C in, you know, some traditional, but mostly non-traditional ways. So what do you think makes you a rebel in and of yourself? So even in the biohacking world or, you know, certainly in medicine, you're looked at, you know, as someone who's really thinking outside the box. So where do you think you fit in that healthcare rebel paradigm? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my mom came up through the the healthcare field. So she's a, a nurse practitioner. So I, I was immersed in that field, but I would say I was never... I'm going to use a word that might trigger some people, but I was never indoctrinated um, mm. with the textbooks and the cla- the medical school classes that a traditional doctor or medical professional would have gone through. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, from what I've seen, like a lot of those textbooks are written by pharmaceutical companies and others that have an interest in the traditional medical paradigm, which mm-hmm. means most of the training given to medical doctors, and they do a phenomenal job with emergency medicine and lots of other things, yep. they're not well trained in keeping people healthy long term or mm-hmm. rebuilding health um, from scratch. So I think not being part of that system mm-hmm. and kind of seeing it, but being an outsider, mm-hmm. you know, allowed me some more freedom because mm-hmm. I don't have a medical license. Sure. Um, I'm an unlicensed biohacker uh, that I could actually explore more holistic concepts yeah. and try them out. So I think I come at this from, you know, obviously my mother's in the medical field, so I, I trust the medical field for many things. But I also question, you know, when I went to my uh, personal doctor the last time, mm-hmm. he asked me if I was eating a low fat diet mm. and, you know, <laughs> Like you should not have asked him that question. <laughs> I was like, I think you're fired um, <laughs> because a low-fat diet can be full of sugar, and that doesn't mean that it's healthy. Right. So I would just say, like, I came from outside, and I, I wasn't bound by any sort of licensure, and I really questioned – you know, those things that were happening within the medical field of like, are you eating a low fat diet? Are you avoiding salt? And it's like, I don't do either of those things um, because I don't feel like personally they benefit me Mm -hmm. and that the studies even support that. So just from the rebellious side, like I question um, how the medical profession views and is able to put people together from long-term mm-hmm. like optimal health standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think they're trained in emergency medicine and kind of like building people back from being injured or being really down. Mm-hmm. And they, my opinion is they would be better off in that profession partnering with other people, mm-hmm. other professionals where they could create like a cohesive team mm-hmm. that obtains like an optimal human health status. Right, right. You know, you bring up some really good points that in medicine we get sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I believe in science and I know you believe in some science too. It's not like we're, you know, going completely rogue, but I think sometimes it can be to our own detriment that we have to ad nauseum study things, sometimes to our benefit, sometimes to our detriment. And 
we are a really great and dynamite acute care, sick care system when someone has a really, you know, immediate need uh, to have, you know, surgery or to correct, you know, something that's causing like a life-threatening condition. But for longevity, for, you know, ongoing health, for sustainable health, I really, I I just want to say I appreciate the fact that biohackers will take those leaps of faith and take those steps outside the box. And I just hope more healthcare professionals can validate it and just learn from it. And I'd like to say it probably sparks some of the things that we then eventually study, right? You're kind of weeding out the stuff that's like, well, what's worthwhile keeping in, you know, here or putting in the box and what's, what do we just need to keep out? And there's great value to that. And medicine is meant to evolve. Health is meant to evolve and we have to get better at it as we go. Um, so I, really try and look at a lot of different spectrums of health and experts in health. And I really appreciate that you bring something different than a lot of the traditional healthcare spaces because, you know, we have a lot of answers and we don't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. And I appreciate individuals such as yourself who will take on trying things that are, you know, out of the norm, but hold a lot of potential. Um, So thank you for being a rebel in that space. Okay. So do I dare ask, now here's the question where Thaddeus is like, is she going to ask me about this or not? (laughs) (laughs) So what would be your best advice given all we've gone through this year? It was particularly around COVID from a biohacker mind. What do you think we can do to get ourselves back to a better state of health? I think there's a couple things. And uh, one of them actually comes from a triple board certified medical doctor in practice. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll reiterate what he says. And one of them is knowing what we know about viruses, yeah. that the actual science of viruses from a virology standpoint, if you ask the virologists, they're not living, mm-hmm. so you can't kill them mm-hmm. no matter what you spray on them, um, that they are packets of information at their core. Mm-hmm. So they're really just informational packets that float around and with every breath we take, we're breathing in 10 to the 31 viruses in every breath, Hmm. every single one. And so that information is getting into our body. And I think one of the things that would be great for the world to do is to say these viral information packets are necessary. Mm -hmm. So 50% of our DNA is due to viral insertion, including stem cells. They Mm -hmm. were put there by a virus. So they're not all bad. They're all information that helps us change the way our genes are expressed in different times of stress on the planet. Mm -hmm. People still get sick. That doesn't mean that people don't get sick from them. So I think looking at how we view viruses differently could be a major win Mm -hmm. um, for the things that we do on the planet during these times. Mm -hmm. And if we want to be optimally healthy, even during these times when lots of people um, are getting sick, mm-hmm. we need to upgrade our own biology, the mm-hmm. what we call the terrain inside of ourselves. So we're all going to be breathing in viruses with every breath we take. So how do we optimize the environment inside of us so that we don't get sick from those viruses? Mm-hmm. And that's where I go all day long to getting outside barefoot, getting in the sun and using nature because our body has everything inside itself to heal. Mm -hmm. We don't have to have things from outside. It's when we get to the point where we're unhealthy because we haven't utilized nature's tools that now we need support to get put back together. Mm -hmm. But if we would just take the opportunity to feed the body what it needs in the first place, sunlight, grounding, fresh water, sleep, community with others, that we wouldn't need as much intervention. I really appreciate what you do. I appreciate the way you think, and I appreciate the way you push yourself outside the box, I look at it as to the benefit of everybody else. You know, we can fight it or we can be like, huh, what's he up to? I mean, like you said, some things you keep and some things you don't, but just pay attention. I mean, you know, if, if you're looking for a different solution to your problem and you're kind of done beating your head against a wall because everything you've tried doesn't seem to help, you know, look to the biohacker space. I know a lot of doctors and nurses that are, you know, kind of dabble in the biohacking world, which is what I would say I do. You know, there are certain things, sure, medicine can solve. There's certain things integrative medicine can solve. And then there's things that it's like, you got to go even farther outside the box to try and solve. So I appreciate you talking uh, to me about them here today. 
Okay, so I want to ask you, I know you've kind of gone into more spirit hacking, so which I think a lot of us in the, the world today, and especially after this last year, we've done more of that. One, maybe we've had more time, and two, you know, we've just realized like when the world feels so broken, sometimes you just have to look at your spiritual self and your, you know, in, go inward into your soul. But can you kind of walk us through like body and you, you talked a little bit about body and mind, but you haven't talked a whole lot about like the spirit hacking. So what has that looked like and meant for you this year? Yeah. I, I think that it's one of the things that's missed. So when we talk about, oh, it's like movement, nutrition and sleep, and we often leave out this like spiritual part and all of us are here for some reason, yeah. you know, I, I I don't buy into the fact I used to. So I used to be more of an atheist or an agnostic, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I never put uh, spiritualism or spirit at all on my list anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was something to be ignored. And what I've come to find is you can't ignore the fact that we're here on this planet for some purpose. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't buy that there's a, a big bang. So that's where I disagree with science and that it's mm-hmm. all just like random that we ended up here. I think there's some design and purpose for us to be here mm-hmm. in this reality. And that biohackers and a lot of medical doctors, they don't talk about this piece, mm-hmm. which in my opinion, like the triangle of you know mind, body, and spirit is mm-hmm. absolutely huge. And without that three-part integration, we're never going to get to the levels as humans that we want to get to Mm -hmm. without taking a look at our own, whether it's divinity, spiritualism, or just like the fact of having the spark of life inside of us. So what I decided on my own journey is I've gotten a lot more involved and interested in this, and I've Mm -hmm. just come to my own knowing that this has to be part of a whole human. Mm-hmm. And without that piece, we won't be optimally healthy in any aspect. Mm-hmm. So I've really taken a look at how do we start talking about the spiritual side? It can be very triggering for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about religion, which is different than spirituality. And um, honestly, like everyone's at the end of the day looking for the same thing. They're just yeah. looking for how do we deal with the unknown mm-hmm. and how do we understand more of what we're here on this earth to do Mm -hmm. and how do we act in the right way? And I think aligning with the right action Mm -hmm. uh, of the spirit inside your body and seeking knowledge about, you know, what's coming next is Mm -hmm. part of what we're exploring as part of the biohacking space now. And I, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any other biohackers do that. And so we, we thought that's kind of where we're heading personally. Mm -hmm. We want to start talking more about it as a holistic practice for a real human, that you Mm -hmm. you have to look at all these aspects, the inner emotional aspect that no one talks about, the spiritual aspect. These things are usually avoided, but they have to be brought out. You know, it's interesting because we're so willing to dive into the physical realm and getting there with the emotional realm. And then the spiritual realm is, you know, feels kind of this taboo topic or nobody it's, you know, can be controversial for all the reasons you just said, but you know, it came into my realm early in my career as I started to be with patients that passed, um, some expected and some unexpected. And I saw and felt and experienced things as those patients, as I was with those patients when they were passing that I just could not explain. And after oh so long, I finally decided to go, you know, that's not, my mind is not playing tricks on me because I'm seeing the same thing and feeling the same energy over and over. And again, we tend to be kind of a death adverse society because it's scary to talk about. And then I think a spirit deficit to society because it's a little scary to talk about. So again, I think it's a beautiful thing that the biohacker community is embracing it. And I'm sure it looks different for everyone in the community. And I mean, that's fine. It's not like there's always this right or wrong answer in most things in life. Um, But the fact that you're bringing that into the holistic paradigm for a historically for a group that historically has been very physically based. Um, again, you know, I think it's phenomenal if your voice and can bring it into the spirit space too. So, and when I met you, how many years ago is that? Five years ago, at least, at least, I don't think that that was in your top priority of things to explore. And so certainly you've had a shift. And so I guess the message in that for people is, you know, it's okay. If you weren't there five years ago, you weren't there five years ago. And if you're there today, I mean, explore it, you know, look into it. It's a huge component of your well-being. Um, And 
I think for a man in his, you know, forties to come through with a discovery of, Hey, it makes a really big difference and I'm going to talk about it. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's, that's probably the biggest shift that, that I've gone through and, and knowing, having, knowing more than belief and faith to me, it's like you get getting to the point where you know that you have this spirit inside you that's going to go on infinitely yeah. gives gives us less fear of death or more willingness to be around death and to talk about it and mm-hmm. to relax more in our skin that we're wearing around in this mm-hmm. cycle that we're on the planet for. How has this last year been easier for you and more challenging for you? Well, it's been a lot easier because I haven't had to travel. So yeah. <laughs> that has actually been a major stress in my life, not only because like if I study the science of flying – and we're exposed mm-hmm. to x-rays when we're up in the air and uh, electromagnetic frequencies and a metal tube flying through the air and we're disrupting circadian rhythm by jumping time zones. Mm-hmm. I'm away from my family when I'm traveling. So that's made it way easier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the more difficult part is going out of the house, at least during 2020. It's a little better mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. with people, we're very afraid. I think mm-hmm. all of us were really afraid at first. Mm-hmm. And where we came to is, you know, this information about viruses being helpful to the human genome. And, you know, if it's from the spiritual standpoint, if it's our time to get sick and to have an adverse reaction, then it's Mm -hmm. our time and there's nothing that I'm going to do to get away from that. Mm -hmm. So leaving the house has honestly become very stressful for me. Mm. Um, And so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not someone who takes on a really fearful mentality. Mm -hmm. And I, stand in my like innate spiritual human rights that mm-hmm. I get to decide what medical interventions I'm going to participate in mm-hmm. and walking out the door, other people don't feel the same way that I should have a right to choose which medical interventions are right for me. So mm-hmm. that has made it very stressful over the last year of going out and about and wondering what kind of conversations I'm going to mm-hmm. get into. Mm-hmm. Have you had a lot of interesting ones or have you just kind of avoided them? I have had very few. Um, okay. I would say for my wife, that's not been quite uh, the same. I think, you know, so I, I stand pretty firm in what my what medical interventions I'm willing to undergo, and mm-hmm. people tend not to bother me that much. I, mm-hmm. I As a male, maybe that's why, and mm-hmm. maybe there's more apt people to come after and to try to intimidate people that are female, Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, but I haven't experienced quite so much, but I mean, I still experience, um, you know, being kicked out of stores, for example, Mm -hmm. if I, Mm -hmm. if I didn't want to put on a a medical mask, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine. I'll, I'll respect people's distance. I'll respect their choice to Mm -hmm. do any of those things. That's Mm -hmm. what's great about being a human is we all get to choose. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's been, challenging for me because I always wonder, like, is this the time when someone's going to kick me out of a store or someone's going to be afraid and and yell at me for um, something that they have some fear around? Right, right. I can see where that's been challenging. Probably living in Wisconsin has been a little bit easier in that realm, but maybe not. It's been easier, for been sure. easier, but not, yeah, not without challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so moving into 2021, how are you feeling about the year ahead? I feel amazing. This is this is the blackjack year. It's 21. So yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. I think I think 2020 if nothing else it taught everybody something that they didn't know about yeah. themselves. Yeah. And one of the thing one of the things the top things that I learned, you know, about myself is how to conduct myself more eloquently as a human mm-hmm. so that we have natural god-given spirit-given human rights and to be more comfortable in chaos. Mm -hmm. So I think so many of us learned, you know, lots of things about ourselves, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I learned is how to handle myself and how to be comfortable in chaos. And honestly, if things could get any more chaotic than 2020, (laughs) I don't know that that's possible. So I'm pretty comfortable that (laughs) I'm going to have some smooth sailing ahead. Yeah. It's certainly going to be better than 2020. That's for sure. Yeah. I would agree. I know a few times we've talked and you've said, oh, this might last for X amount of years or X amount of years, but you're feeling more optimistic about 2021. I am still 100% convinced that this world situation is going on until 2024. Okay. Um, but a lot of the energy of the events that have happened were played out in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so 
as we move into 2021, I don't think a lot of this stuff is going away. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's going to be easier to navigate for for the population in general, like all of us as humans. Yeah. Good. We all need some hope and optimism, so it's good to hear. As a rebel, whether you know you want to call yourself a biohacker rebel or a spirit hacker rebel, what would you say is your cause for the year ahead? So honestly, I would, am looking forward to allowing more people to be comfortable mm-hmm. questioning their core values mm-hmm. and growing into some new values that make them more human. I just think we're... We've almost become these robotic automatons of like, I go to school for 12 years, then I go to college, and then I go to work from nine to five, and then I retire for 10 years when I can do whatever I want. And Mm -hmm. before that time, when you're 65 or whatever it is, it's like clock-based automatons, and Mm -hmm. we just do what we do every day in the same routine. So I'm really looking forward to opening people's minds to becoming more human and what they do every day earlier on and not Mm -hmm. putting off some of those things that they traditionally would have done until retirement. That's a great mission because none of us are even promised 65, really. I mean, and what happens to a lot of people at 65, their health gets worse. You know, so if you wait till 65 to do all the things you wanted to do, that can not always work out as planned. So that's a great mission. And I I think 2020 showed us that all bets are off with what you think you're going to be able to do in the next Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And it's best to challenge yourself to identify your goals and to go after Mm -hmm. those dreams earlier. Mm -hmm. And the majority of people that do that, they don't end up pouring on the street, which is what most people's fear is. Um, They actually end up having a great time and falling into things they never would have thought were possible. Yeah, I like that. It's a good way to end that. Okay, so now I'd like to move into a few fire round questions if you're game. Of the points, five pillars, which is the easiest for you to incorporate into your life and which takes the most effort? Nutrition, movement, sleep, restoration, community. Nutrition and movement, super easy for me. I've Mm -hmm. been passionate about nutrition since I was like five. Um, Master's in holistic nutrition. I study that day and night. And movement, I love to move my body. I've been a martial artist Mm -hmm. since I was seven. And now I'm 45. So that's easy. Like those things are no brainers. I can do them all the time. And honestly, like community and restoration. So all the things I talk about with like sleep, I love sleep. But the restoration, like for me to sit down and to, to meditate or just relax and not be doing something mm-hmm. is extremely challenging, which is why that's part of my mission of like slow down and do some of these things yeah. now um, because that's part of what I need in my own life. Yeah. And then community is like I'm just go, go, go. And I uh, we talked earlier about being introverted. Mm-hmm. Like I can just be by myself and get things done mm-hmm. and produce, um, but I f- honestly know that I need more community and I Mm -hmm. want more community in my life. And I spent 2020 building more. I mean, it was hard to do, but in 2020, I decided like, I'm going to build a community. And that was a strange year to pick that uh, topic to go after. Um, But I need, I know that I need more community and that is something I, I am challenged to build. When you're good at it, because before the world changed in the end of February, 2020, you gathered this community you know, at the point of 45 people, our largest retreat that we had and this incredible community of people. So you have a skill at it, but you know, it takes time, right? So it's, I mean, that's one of the silver linings, I guess, in 2020, they've had more time to, to work on mindfully building that. So it's pretty cool. All right. Tell us a health habit you have that your family wishes you would ditch, or maybe I should ask your you lovely ask bride to the next, to the left of me as she's sitting here. You she can't would, lie because she's right here. She would love to answer these questions for me. Um, here, I'll so, move over. <laughs> if I, if I, if I say something that's not accurate, she can. Uh-huh. So I, I mean, this is my perception, but I would say like one of the health habits is like being cold before bed optimizes yeah. sleep and cold adaptation optimizes longevity and health. Yeah. So changing the temperature of our home down to 65 and below in the winter is one of those annoying habits for people. (laughs) All right. Uh, What's your favorite book as of late? Oh, I was just thinking about this because it's it's like whatever book I'm currently reading is mm-hmm. my favorite book. So mm-hmm. I was like, if I get a question about my favorite book ever, it's like, I, could, I don't know if I could figure that out. I've read yeah, thousands so of them. So many, yeah. But right now I'm reading two books. And the one that I'm reading that I would say is my favorite at the moment is The Alchemist. 
as part of the spiritual journey, mm-hmm. I one of the things that calls to me is learning signs and symbols. So mm-hmm. I think it was Confucius who said, the world is not run by words and laws. It is mm-hmm. run by signs and symbols. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hey, I want to study signs and symbols. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm studying these alchemical signs and symbols and astrology. Like this is all new to me. And, yeah. But um, this alchemist recommended the book by Paul Coelho called The Alchemist. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm a half hour into the book. And I don't know what it's about. Right. <laughs> Very fair. Other than you're going to know what your sign is when you're all done and what it means. Exactly. Okay. So what does the world need more of? Love. The world always needs more love. And everything that I come back to is like, mm-hmm. we all just need to, like, you can either be in one of two states, fear or love. Mm-hmm. And we need more love. Mm-hmm. Did you try anything new for the first time this past year? I did lots of things. Yeah. So one of the main things is understanding this like whole spirit hacking thing, like understanding who I am as a human and knowing that I have, whether you say God or nature given rights, these are called natural law or natural rights and they come from nature or God. Mm -hmm. So understanding that I have those things and nobody can take them away from me Mm -hmm. so that I can stand in natural law as opposed to man-made law and even man-made law quotes that nature's law is superior. Hmm. So understanding my natural God-given human rights Mm -hmm. and then standing strong in those rights Mm -hmm. has been uh, something that I've done this past year that was brand Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. and very challenging for me. Hmm. But it challenged you in a good way? A very good way. Good. Yeah. You're always researching new things that seem to make you a better person. So that's fantastic. Okay, last question here in the fire round. If in 150 years, science fails to save us, and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title of the book be? I mean, honestly, the only thing that comes to mind, because I don't necessarily want like this egoic book. So it's a song from the 80s that I love, and it's called Another One Bites the Dust. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you ready for a few this or that? Mm -hmm, Let's do it. Early riser or night owl? Early riser. Tea or coffee? Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Massage or acupuncture? Oh, I know these are supposed to be fast. I would love to do more acupuncture, and I would love to do more massage. <laughs> Black and white or gray? White. Hmm. I've never, white, I've never thought white that White is all colors. Yeah. And it absorbs all colors and therefore it gives off all colors. And black just absorbs all the colors but doesn't uh-huh. give anything back off. So I okay. love being able to produce and give up, give, give out yeah. all the colors all of the, the rainbow. Colors. Good answer. Sauna or cold plunge? Sauna. Okay. Last question. Mountains or beach or boundary waters? Oh, that's a good question. I'm still going to go with mountains. Like I love, love, love the beach and I love being mm-hmm. on the beach and I love the boundary waters because it's wilderness and water and beach, mm-hmm. but I've been drawn since I was a kid to the mountains. Something kind of spiritual about them. Yeah. Have you guys, did you get to the mountains at all this year? Mm-hmm. You did. Oh, I'm jealous and envious, but good. That's a, I, I totally can resonate with what you're saying. So Thaddeus, if people want more information about you or the products that you offer, where can they find you? You can find us at primalhacker.com mm-hmm. and on Instagram at primalhacker underscore, because somebody took my primalhacker name. Unfortunately, they didn't do anything with it. So it's just sitting out there. Um, or YouTube, we put up content on YouTube very often right now. So if you yeah. want to dig into biohacking concepts, get over to our YouTube channel. Okay, wonderful. And they can purchase things like blue blockers on the Primal Hacker website and e- EMF blocking phone cases. Primalhacker.com, we focus on products in our niche that uh, help you with increasing your resilience to light Mm -hmm. and then uh, reducing your impact from electromagnetic frequencies made by man. And just to mention that Thaddeus and Heidi will be co-leading our Boundary Waters retreat in June of 2021. That's next month already. There is one spot left. And if you want to head into the wilderness with anybody, this will be their third year leading this trip. And as you can tell from all that Thaddeus just shared, they are dynamite individuals to lead this trip and learn more about nature therapy and not only learn it, but experience it, which is the best part of the trip. It is our only 
off-site retreat. Um, and so if you are at all interested, you can feel free to reach out to us and learn about that one spot left. Otherwise, you can find out more about The Point Retreats on our website, thepointretreats.com, on our social media pages, uh, both on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Point Retreats. And thank you again for listening today. Thaddeus, thank you for your time and sharing all your wisdom with us today. We hope this podcast inspires you to rebel and be well. Join us for our next podcast with Dr. Jeremiah Eisenshank. Dr. Jeremiah Eisenshank is a graduate of the University of Minnesota Medical School and St. John's Family Medicine Residency, where he also served as chief resident. He's a family medicine physician who specializes in the low-carb keto diet lifestyle. He was recognized as one of the top docs in family medicine by Minnesota Monthly Magazine, and he's going to help our fall 2021 retreat attendees learn how to be pandemic-proof professionals. You've been listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Ryman, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Rymel or one of our past or upcoming guests a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of The Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.